Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 465th episode of Constructive Criticism. I am your host, Mason, and it's just me this week, at least for now. So we're having a little bit of a different episode this week. So here's the tea. About two months ago, Abe's up this vacation. He's on it right now. Hope you're having a blast, Abe. Love you. Spencer, unfortunately, had some family emergency stuff come up and is unable to do the show this week. It's awful. We're wishing you all the best. Love you. Hope things are going well for you there, Spencer. That meant it's just me, and as much as I know every listener just wants the one-hour Mation show, probably not the best idea. So instead, I called up my friend Jerry Thompson to come on the show and do a little interview, and luckily he was able to oblige and we made it happen sort of last minute, and that is what we're going to have for you today. So I'm going to talk to Jerry about improving at Magic and everything in between. It's going to be a really good interview. I've, spoiler alert, already done it, and I'm recording this after the interview with Jerry, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, when it comes to always improving this week on the show, I'm going to just skip that segment because I'm not with everyone else and it feels a little weird. And when it comes to patrons, thank you everyone who subscribed on Patreon. The show will always be free, but you go to patreon.com slash ccmtg if you want to support the show. The show will always be free, but getting that a little extra lets us do cool things that we want to do. Now, let's get into the interview. And it's time for the main show. We have Jerry Thompson here. Jerry, thank you for joining me today. Yo, I'm the main show. That's right. Well, you know, everyone's out. When we had to get a special star, I knew if we were to get someone, I had to go for, like, you. You're my pack one, pick one, and it worked out, too. You never expect it to work out like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice when it all comes together. And, like, plus, I owe you one, right? Like, you subbed in for me once. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I guess it's only, like, a year and a half, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But it feels like forever. Yes, it, it. I mean, it does in in podcast terms. It, it's so many shows ago, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, most shows don't make it as long as we are talking about time wise, right? Like, it, it's so hard to too the time commitment, let alone you know, it's just so much. Yeah, you just have to have like a lot of disposable time, and uh, in a lot of instances, a lot of podcasts just not care that you're not making any money, you know. Exactly. Lord, I unfortunately know that. Make sure to go to <laughs> Patreon. You know what? We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Uh, no, but yeah, it's crazy too. I, you know, Spencer, who sort of started the show here, apparently you guessed it a long, long time ago because uh, we know we're in episode 460-ish right now. And you guessed it a long time ago when they first started the show before me. And they apparently got lost to like time or whatever, like the, the audio got messed up or whatever. So we're, we're undoing this long lost mistake. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it would have been early Theros time, apparently, is my understanding. I don't know all the details. And also, it's been, like, literally a decade now. So Spencer yeah. also doesn't remember all the details. He's just like, I know we had them. It was pretty good. And then the audio was messed up, and we just couldn't use it. So Well, that's a shame. I'm happy I could be here and rectify for that for y'all. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, really quick here. If someone doesn't really know you, Jerry, like, what's sort of the lowdown on you? How might someone know you? Uh, I am a Magic the Gathering player, but I've also done uh, a lot of other things. I worked at Wizards of the Coast for a brief stint and uh, played on the Pro Tour for literal decades at this point. Uh, content creator, I wrote for Star City Games for a very long time, uh, a little bit at like Channel Fireball and some other smaller websites and stuff. And I have a podcast that is still ongoing. Uh what else? What what did I miss? I feel like I've well, maybe you're a pro tour stuff. champion. I, I don't know if you. I don't think you mentioned that there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 
I I would hope that if I've been playing on the pro tour for two decades, I would have like some success. You know, well, it's really. I mean, but you can have success that isn't being a champ. You know, like like you for example, you have a finals loss, right? That that would count as success in my mind as well. Obviously, being the W is the best, but they only give out one of those per tournament. You know, it's pretty tough to get the dub. It is, and there there honestly haven't been that many pro tours either. There's like maybe 120, 130 at this point. Yeah, and you've been in the finals of two of them. That's like two percent of the pro tours. Yeah, it's, it's very lucky. Yeah, this feels so. Well, speaking of that, Jerry, so we have you on here to sort of talk about you know competitive magic and improving because that is sort of the point of the show and always improving. And I wanted to sort of ask you this question that everyone kind of gets asked near the end of an interview, and this is. What was the thing that you wish you were told when you first started grinding magic? Uh, so many things, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, I So I I grew up in like the early days of the internet, so there, there wasn't a lot. There were still like a decent amount of magic websites, like five of them back then that were updating daily and stuff, but it wasn't like the the actual hard-hitting knowledge that you kind of have access to now especially after like decades of people creating content it was mostly just like people writing in their random tournament reports and it's like you read it and maybe you learn something maybe you don't you know so like there there was a, a decent amount of information but but not a ton and uh i had some friends who also played magic and one person who had more tournament experience than me and stuff but no one no one to really like guide me or like tell me the things that were important so i just kind of had to like make it up as i went along or like try and infer that from like the things that i read and honestly i think that that didn't do me many favors uh <laughs> basically like the the internet around that time or just like the the zeitgeist for professional magic was like oh you have to break it for every single tournament you know it's like that's the only way that you can really get an edge and I, I tried to do that well past the point where that was even possible anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, that that's one of the things where just like just show up, play a good deck, and you'll probably do pretty well. You know, like you don't have to just shoot the moon every single tournament. And I, I just wasted so many shots, so many opportunities doing stuff like that. Yeah, I know. When I think of you, Jerry, I think of you as a really unique deck builder. And I think you always are taking that approach you just mentioned, right? Of like, there are these problems I see with these decks, these things I don't like. I want to try and fix those problems. So this is a two-part question. One, do you think you're still doing what you're talking about now, which is like trying to shoot for the moon and like solve problems or correct things? And part two is how do you go about doing that thing? Because, you know, you mentioned on your show, Rena Deckless, a lot. Like you'll see a deck and sometimes this thing you'll say real quick is like, ah, I don't like this. You know, there are some problems I have with it. But you don't always list what those are and you don't always talk about talking the solution. So I'm curious, I'm sure others are, what do you mean by that as well? So so here, here's a question. Yeah, give, I, I, give me I, an yeah. example. Give me an example, I guess. Okay, yeah. So you, yeah. you'll say things like, so I'll give you a, a perfect example. Last summer during the Yorion era, you would say, oh, all these Yorion decks have all these problems, right? And for you, would, you were playing like the Risen Reef Yorion build, for example, with like some traverses and okay. like a single oath. And then you would say, these other decks have these issues, but I solve them. And I understand that like it's really hard to like spend, you know, a part of the podcast talking just about the things you solve. And so it's like not really reasonable. You want to hit as many people as you can. But I think you say that type of thing quite often. And it seems to me like you see something in decks or in deck building that you don't really like. And then you go in there and you're willing to do things like 
for example, put one Oath of Nissa in your deck, right? Which is something that a lot of players just would never do and things like that. And how do you sort of identify stuff like that and go about willing to do that stuff? And I guess not be like afraid to look silly or whatever for doing something like, you know, a one Oath of Nissa. <laughs> yeah, I've I've given that up a long time ago. Uh, okay. Yeah, like, especially after doing the thing where you try and break it and it's not possible and uh you're you're just gonna look silly a whole lot so you better get used to that or or just stop trying to do that just play good decks that that would also be a good solution to that but yeah like in in the case of urian for example like the the versions that were popular at the time and i mean certainly you can attest to this too because you were kind of on the other side of things it's just like playing these lists with like a bunch of uh expressive iterations and counter spells and basically uh building the deck in such a way where you didn't necessarily get to use your mana every turn and in a deck that sort of is slow and clunky and a little bit ponderous uh you're starting from behind in a lot of instances it that that can just be like a, a death knell in a fast format like modern so how i would want to approach something like that is take this mid-range shell that is already successful and see if you can build it in such a way where it's like a little bit more proactive, has a little bit more velocity. You're just ensuring that you are able to spend your mana every turn and in doing so, ensure that you have things to do on subsequent turns. And I think things like Oath of Nista and Risen Reef accomplished that and ended up being like a good solution at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of solution doesn't really work nowadays i tried to revisit it a, a while ago before the lord of the rings set and did not have the same amount of success because one thing that was not apparent to me uh when i revisited it was like how much having traversed the uvenwald and like the random oath of nisses in the deck and e even things like ice fang quaddle uh really ensured that you could actually get to a point where you have like two risen reefs on the battlefield at the same time Whereas playing 60 cards after Yorian is banned and four Risen Reefs and no ways to find them additionally. Like I, I had some Oath of Nisses or whatever, but like it just, it wasn't enough. It wasn't consistent enough. So it was like, man, I'm doing the same thing and it's not working. Why is that? And it took a little bit for me to figure that out, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, weird sort of uh, kind of like perfect storm happening with the old one versus uh you know trying the same thing like basically the same thing but in like slightly different circumstances and it just completely falling flat mm -hmm. yeah so this actually brings up something that i wanted to talk about later in the show when it comes about like testing and sort of figuring something out for a deck because there's something back you know when the show was called game uh you had which you know for young and basically the same podcast as random deck list but y'all talked about the truth of the matchup, right? Something you and Majors had brought up that really resonated home for me, but I had to kind of figure out what that meant and solve for like, oh, okay, these are the things that really matter in a matchup. So how do you go about finding out the truth of the matchup and the sort of what matters in your deck and how your deck is constructed? So you can look at matchup percentages from any random tournament or some sample size of like, you know, your two friends sitting down and playing against each other or whatever. But to me that that isn't super useful because like the, the actionable data that you can go off of and like should maybe go off of is when you know that both players in both decks are in like optimal conditions, basically where it's like, if, if someone shows up to a tournament with a suboptimal build of a deck or is playing it suboptimally 
oftentimes those go hand in hand. Uh, those are those are going to like skew the numbers, right? And it's not uh, useful data to have to even look at. So you can do stuff with those numbers, especially when you have like a, a large enough sample size and everything. But the the thing that made sense to me was just the the data of like you know your deck very well, you have a very good list. I I'm in the same position. We're not doing anything like super weird where where uh you know pre-sideboarding or have like extra sideboard cards or whatever than than might exist in like normal tournament conditions or whatever and you you play out those games uh hopefully in a large enough sample size and mostly just like get get a feel for things too and and how that is not even necessarily like looking at the numbers but it's just like the the stuff that actually matters and like the uh, play patterns or like key turns or, or things like that, that, that may come up. I, I think like a good example of this is like Ragavan versus Ren and six, or I guess now Bowmasters too, even where it's just like, if on the draw, someone is just like hard casting their Ragavans in tournaments and it's getting eaten by Ren and sixes, then I, I feel like that data is just like pretty useless, you know, because if, if you understood the format, understood the matchup, maybe that's not a play you would make. I mean, maybe it's a little different if you had like, second Ragavan or whatever, right? But there, there are just situations like that that just, like, completely skew the matchup, and if you are playing to find the truth of the matchup, those sorts of things would not occur, like those, those sorts of errors and stuff. So, yeah, we, we just wanted to to find the truth of things, and I, I think that there's an important distinction to, to separate that stuff where it's like, okay, like, these are numbers, but they may or may not be true, and large enough sample size or... Uh, strong enough tournament, you know, you're talking about like world championships or pro tours or whatever, like those, those numbers are getting like a little bit more close to real and everything. Right. But you're just sampling off like a random uh, RCQ or even an RC or something. Maybe that's not entirely accurate. And at that point, it's like, what value does that, that sort of stuff provide you, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, here's a question I have for you when you're talking about this, you mentioned sort of uh, the data where the deck is maybe built, uh, poorly or suboptimally, right? If you're someone at home, right, who isn't, you know, have this wealth of experience that you have, right, or, you know, even me, right, like maybe you're new to it, what are some things that you look for to know? Are you looking for like, oh, maybe this is like, you should assume decks that look weirder than the average deck to be the outliers until proven otherwise? Or what's a good way for that? Because it's something that I've experienced a lot with coaching and talking to people is I'll say something like that and then they'll answer me with, how should I go about figuring out that solution? Like figuring out, I should say, what is the problem? So is uh, the, the majority of your coaching in modern? No, the majority of the coaching is really about like in working on fundamentals in magic and kind of whatever the RCQ season is. So like right now it's been a lot of pioneer recently and okay. has been before as well. So, you know, it's really helping people. And this comes up a lot with RC testing proper of like, I mentioned them finding the truth of the matchup, which to me, I've sort of always uh, quantified and described as like figuring out the key interaction points like you mentioned right like a Ragavan versus Ren and Six versus Bowmaster situation and also kind of like how the cards interact and play against one another yeah well I, I just ask because like Pioneer is a fine way to look at this too where it's just like if you have foundational knowledge of the format of Pioneer right and you you look at a series of sample deck lists of like Rakdos midrange or whatever. It's like you should be able to pretty quickly identify which list looks weird, you know? Um, and 
in in those cases, like if you understand the deck and kind of like the matchup spread, like you have a pretty good idea of how the deck should be built. Like if if you were playing in a tournament and you wanted to select Rakdos, how would you build your deck, right? And you see something that isn't super like flashy or off the cuff or anything you just look at it and it's like oh that actually looks like a good change and i think a, a good example of this is like shota playing mutavault in addition to the other creature lands that were already present in the deck and uh shota continued to do well with that sort of version and uh you know like played on camera a bunch of times and it's like the, the mutavaults legitimately looks good and i think a lot of people adapted those at least for a little bit after the fact and just like that that's just one of those things that you should be able to identify when you have a pretty good understanding of of what's going on in the format and what people are doing okay awesome thank you for answering that question my next question for you that you know this is one that was kind of brought up in our patreon in the past and i wanted to sort of recycle it here is when you are and by the way i know this goes against your uh advice earlier in the show but let's pretend you didn't say don't try and break it when you are trying to like maybe start testing for a new format like an rc proper or there's a brand new set or something like that and you're trying to you know maybe spend a little bit of time early on doing what you said and trying to figure out the new hotness or to go over the top how do you start doing that and where's like some things you look for in those situations well yeah to be clear i mean i i think that there are situations where it is like you have the potential to break it. And I think that that is probably where you should start testing. The problem with me was like, that was the start to the end. It was just <laughs> like, oh, I just, I just have to do this. And like, I never had like, oh, I have, you know, Rakdos or Monogreen Devotion in my back pocket or something, you know? And mm -hmm. that was, that was kind of the problem. Cause it was like, oh, if I register affinity for a pro tour where everyone is playing affinity, I feel like a failure already, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just never willing to do that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like you, I, I think the best way to do it, uh, which is maybe more of a streamlined version than what I was doing before, because my attempts before were also very misguided and bad, but like now I, I just think of it where it's just like, what is the most powerful thing that you can be doing in this format and, and kind of go from there. And in, the case of something like pioneer it's like well you know this this rona combo for example is is pretty damn powerful right it is like head and shoulders above what is generally legal in the format so is is this a thing that we can break is there a way to make it so it's like consistent can we maybe slow it down and like have more of like a protected combo kill or can we splice this onto another combo you know i, I and people have done a lot of that work now and i, I think that that was fruitful like that was important work Right. So I, I don't want to just be like, oh, never build new decks or whatever, because I, I definitely think that that's wrong. But if you were testing for an RC and you just spent like all of your time on it or something, then that would be a problem. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just think about it in terms of like, what is what is the most powerful thing that you can be doing in the format and legitimately work to see if that is a, a viable thing that that you can be doing. And I think people sort of look at it like a binary where it's like I tried to do it in the most powerful uh, kind of like all in way and it didn't work. Therefore I'm just going to give up completely. And it's like, no, there are actually like a lot of branching paths to that. And I don't know, there, there's stuff like dark depths is in, in extended is a good analog for this where people played uh, hex mage dark depths at one of the extended pro tours. It didn't do particularly well. And then people just gave up on it. And it's like, no, there's still, 
something here, right? It's just there are going to be people who are really prepared for your plan A, and maybe there's a way that we can weave like a plan B in here that's that's reasonable. And uh, you know, some other people had kind of like figured out how to do that. I worked off of that and got to a place that ended up being really good, right? So it's like there is there is definitely merit to exploring things for sure. Yeah, I really like that point there at the end you mentioned, uh, where you're like just because you went the all-in turbo version doesn't mean like something like hybridizing it, right? Can't do it. I think kind of Rona is a great example of this where when it first dropped, everyone was kind of freaking out, right? They're like, oh, wow, you can kill as early as turn two. And then there was some magic online, you know, sort of limitations with players. And then, you know, the players in general were kind of like, eh, it's probably not good enough. And then we saw at the RC some really uh, creative uh, spins on the deck, right? It was things like Just Guy Ascendancy. We saw Matt Nass sort of also stream and popularize a little bit where players sort of put the Rona combo in just like a go wide token shell and sort of have like, hey, I have this main reasonable game plan, right? But I also have this backup plan to just combo kill you. Yeah, and I, I saw a list in Modern that I, th I think was Aspiring Spikes that I actually liked a lot too, where it was like Cookbook, uh, Asmo, Gorios, Profane Tutor, or maybe it wasn't Profane Tutor, I think it was Wishclaw Talisman. Mm. And it had Ronas, and then it, because it had a thing that allowed you to tutor in Wishclaw Talisman, then you can just play like the one Helix. So like the Gorios can bring back the Rona with haste, and then you can tutor up the one helix and it's like a very compact way to slide that combo kill into something that existed in a completely different format. You know, yeah, that's super cool. You can also retraction helix, the wish claw and find the other combo piece. You have like all the mana or whatever. That's kind of cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird, weird deck, but it sounds really cool. I'd not seen that one before. Check that out. Um, well, with all of that sort of said, I guess my sort of last serious magic question here, and then I have a couple light ones here that I wanted to ask you, is when it comes to magic online, right, I feel like there's been this sentiment with players for the last couple of years since, um, you know, since we kind of got out of the lockdown age of COVID, as I like to call it, and we're sort of back into, you know, like we're starting to have play again or whatever, where players feel like everything is really stale and everyone's just copying everything, right? And people are just copying Magic Online deck lists and no one's really trying. And I was curious what your sort of thought and perspective on that was and how if someone feels like, yeah, I've tried to brew or to improve, but I can't really, I don't know what to have to start with and I just default to doing this, what your advice might be, assuming you even disagree slash agree with it. I, I agree for the most part, but I also feel like there is a handful of people and God bless them who are just doing a bunch of work to actually move things forward. And I mean, you see it when every new set comes out, right? Like the Lord of the Rings set in modern is a pretty good example of this where it didn't take very long for people to start experimenting with a lot of the new cards. And there are things like the, the one ring showing up everywhere pretty quickly, honestly. And then Living End picking up the Land Cyclers, Delighted Halfling showing up in a bunch of places. Like there's seven different versions of Yawgmoth now with a bunch of the cards from the set. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bowmasters too is like another good example. Is like people people did the work for this mm -hmm. set absolutely, and occasionally you see a, a new deck pop up uh, for for things like Modern and stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely for. Things like the standard challenges, especially when Wizards wasn't focusing on standard at all. People were just like, I'm just going to copy paste 
what won the last challenge because they spend the week like playing modern or pioneer or whatever, maybe because it's the RCQ format or because it's more fun. And then it's like, well, I, there's a standard challenge happening. I might as well play in it because it's maybe not a lot of people. It's uh, pretty good EV or whatever. And then at what point do you have to actually do the work on that? Because, you know, it's just maybe going to win you like an extra 20 tickets or something on the weekend mm -hmm. if you put in a bunch of hours. So I, I get that. I understand why no one really gave a crap about standard. Uh, but I don't know. For, for modern, I do think that in a lot of instances is like you see the challenges you see the results from that and then the the next week or so in the leagues is just people 5-0ing with those decks from the challenges just like straight rips copy and paste and that i i get that a lot in a lot of instances people are just like oh i want to try out this thing that won or did well and get a feel for it and i understand that but at the same time i don't see like a whole lot of iteration until maybe like the next challenge rolls around and, and someone is trying something new. So mm -hmm. I don't know that if, if there wasn't that handful of people that were moving things forward, I think that things would be in a much worse place, but I, I do think that there, there are people out there that are willing to do the work and maybe it's not as many people as it was say five years ago or whatever, but you know, things are still happening. They're still moving along. Yeah. You know, Zerk is doing everything he can to change Yawgmoth by five cards every weekend and, you know, successfully. And I love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Zerk has really done a lot to move Yawgmoth forward in a lot of different ways, and I think players are just starting to realize that, you know, um, as we're getting, like, a real eye on modern. I, I personally think that, like, I agree for the most part. You know, it is, like, a couple people, you know, like Zerk that we mentioned, or X-File, uh, who, like, try things and push things in weird directions, and we get lists like, you know, that Soltai Shadow deck from a couple weeks ago from X-File, with, like, the Invasion of Ikoria, and just cool things like that. I think that's really cool, and I think whenever pop out jace comes around and says hey this is how you get to the pro tour then formats get like kind of pushed and sort of innovate again right and we've seen this happen three times now where sort of pioneer is a solved format there's nothing you can do right then atlanta comes around all these new decks floor come out and pioneer completely sort of changes and then you know standard oh it's all uh you know rakdos or whatever right and then like the esper deck and all these other things and reanimator pop up and i think you know whenever the incentives are there players will respond accordingly but when they aren't there it's yeah. kind of like you said right it's like it's more fun if i just go go play my trusty old merfolk deck or whatever for a couple hours and then you know go watch some netflix instead so yeah and i i, I love x file so much because not not only uh does does felix win with like all all the brews that i i just feel like those are the decks that i like two three a league with or whatever mm -hmm. um but but even when he plays things that are pretty normal like he's been playing four color omnath a little bit it's like there's still a bunch of innovation there like i think there's two weekends in a row he top eight a challenge one of them had just a pile of elishnor in his yeah. main deck <laughs> three then, elishnors in the main deck he came to tussle <laughs> yeah and then and then this last one he had two splinters in the sideboard and there's there's another card too where i was like oh yeah i forgot that card even existed what's splinter 2gg sorcery this is a card originally from urza's destiny it's exile tar target artifact and then cranial extracts all the copies. Wow, that's a heater. I had missed that one. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's a good one for. Okay, I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Yeah, so exactly. And like, th this is what I'm talking about as far as like format knowledge kind of stuff, right? It's like, oh yeah, you didn't, you might not know that card was legal. You might not know that card existed, right? But Felix did. 
Yeah, that's that's so wild, especially because, you know, I have, like, a box of cards for Amulet Titan, because that's sort of my first love and how I really got into competitive magic, kind of my first big finish. And I sort of have all these things that you could maybe theoretically ever do, and I have some of the worst cards you've ever seen, Jerry. But Splinter was not on the list of things. I just missed that yeah. one. So that, yeah, yeah, so two, two Splinters in the sideboard. The other card was a Cursed Totem. Cursed Totem. Okay, I know that one. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking some time there. I do have some personal things and feel free to say, you know, uh, skip or whatever, but I have a couple of these. I wanted to kind of rapid fire you. The first no, one I'm, is I'm, I'm down for whatever. I love it. All right. So the first one is where do you see yourself with magic in one year, five year and 10 years? Uh, th that question's tough now. Cause I, I mean, can you, can you predict where magic is going to be in five years or whatever? It's like, I, I thought Five years ago, I knew the answer to this, but mm -hmm. that that clearly did not go as planned. So I'm I'm just kind of rolling with it now, honestly. Like mm -hmm. a year from now, the podcast is still going to be happening. Uh, it, it is very clear to me that I I'm just going to be the last man standing with my podcast. Like I I'm maybe going to have uh recurring co-hosts who may last for a couple years or whatever, but probably no one is going to outlast me. So I'm, I'm still going to be doing that because no matter what, I still love magic and still want to be involved in it and everything. So it would take something absolutely monumental to get me to stop doing that. Um, so I'm, I'm still going to be paying attention to tournaments and seeing what's going on in metagames and uh, complaining about Wizards of the Coast or whatever, you know, just the, the normal stuff. Um, but as far as like, you know, competing, trying to like grind every weekend. I, I think that that is probably behind me unless it becomes like really convenient. Like maybe there's some really uh, lucrative or prestigious online tournaments or things that are a little bit more locally close to me, like on, on the East Coast. Like mm -hmm. if if there was like an SCG tour resurgence sort of thing or whatever, it's like I could see myself doing that again if it was all drivable stuff. Sure. Uh, follow up. Are you still playing the SCG the weekend of this release, the, the Cincy one or Indie? I think I'm not sure which. I I am. Uh, as as of as of this recording, it's it is this weekend. So uh, I'm I'm playing with Dave Shields and his brother. Nice. Awesome. Okay, that should be really fun. And you're the legacy seat, is that right? I think so. We're still trying to figure that out because so uh, Dave's Dave's brother is has been playing a, a lot of Pioneer, so he's like pretty comfortable there. So then it's kind of up to me and Dave to figure it out. And Dave was high on creativity. And then Lord of the Rings came out that changed stuff. And now he's just like, ah, I don't even know if I want to keep playing this deck. He's like kind of burnt out after playing it nonstop for six months, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of working on things in both formats, trying to find something I like. He certainly has, you know, more demands on his time than I do, you know? So mm. I'm just like sending him stuff as... I think of it and as I come up with it and kind of like what my results are and my thoughts. Uh, so for, for legacy, I certainly tried a bunch of stuff. Like I, I did do the, like, Oh, I'm going to try and break it with new cards or whatever. But that, that is, that ship is sailed. It's gone. <laughs> Fair. Did, did I'm you back to just like working on real decks now. Fair. Did you see? So as of the time of this recording, I just got done commentating the NRG series, the legacy 5k and Sam black came with this really, uh, creative version of kind of this like colorless combo deck where he was like mystic forging and one ringing and playing all the keys to untap and like play his whole deck and had paradox engine as well and was just like sort of dumping his deck on the board every turn 
uh, in a really kind of cool way. Yeah, that's been that's been showing up in the legacy challenges and is a deck that has definitely defeated me in these legacy leagues. So right. uh I I I respect a good like mono brown strategy. I'm a big fan. Oh, damn, there's no way the kids know what you mean by mono brown, and there's no way I'm answering it. My next question is what's your favorite anime you've seen recently? Um, I I wanna give give an answer that's not like obvious stuff like i could say spy family because spy family great yeah spy family good it's a great show if you, if you don't even like anime you should try spy family if you want to do your first one it's a great first one. yeah it is it is a great first one have uh, you seen blue lock i i watched a couple episodes mm -hmm. so most of my anime watching is done with a couple friends of mine and so if if something gets vetoed by by like one or more people, we probably are not going to continue to watch it or like me and my friend will watch it after like the other people go to sleep or something. Mm -hmm. Um Oh, what was what was the one? There was one that we did watch like that. Uh Lycoris Recoil. Oh, Lycoris Recoil. Yeah, that show's pretty good. I like that one. Yeah, that that show is great. And then one thing that we've watched as a group recently is is Skip and Loafer, which is another slice of life thing where if you like Spy Family, you might like this. So, okay, awesome. All right, here's the next one. I imagine I'm gonna get vetoed on this. Can we get the the early scoop on what the new name is for the Arena Decklist podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's like I've I've thought about this for a while. Mm -hmm. basically it's it when i brought up the fact that like we need to change the name like a long ass time ago it might have been like a year ago at this point uh i i think i had the name that i thought was good and didn't change it kind of like out of embarrassment because here's the thing is i have uh so when we switched over to arena deckless i also uh changed my twitch handle to arena deckless and was like oh you know branding etc whatever and I, I think that that has just shot me in the foot in, mm. in a lot of different ways where there are people who used to consume my content where they would just go to Star City every day because like that was sort of their routine. But, you know, maybe they're not on Twitter or whatever. And they would just be like, oh, yeah, I listen to like all these these magic podcasts. And I'm like, I, you know, I have a magic podcast. I, I'm like 300 episodes deep or whatever. They're like, oh, I had no idea. And it's just like, wait, what, what the hell? Like, how is, how is that possible? And yeah, it's just, you see the name arena deckless. You don't necessarily know it's me involved. And the embarrassing part is saying this out loud. It's just like my, my name carries a lot of weight, you know? And it's just like, I, I should probably just be leaning into that more, honestly. Oh, is, is the show going to be called GD, Jerry and David? Are we going back to no. the game? Oh, okay. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were going back to our game roots, you know. I have my game podcast sleeve still, you know, still in a little bag ready for the one event I'll take them out for. But Hell yeah. All right. What 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 so is it it's going to be Jerry something. That that's our our hint no, I guess. I, I I think it is I think it is just supposed to be the Jerry T podcast with Dave Shields and mm. that sort of protects me from having to rebrand again in the future if, you know, Dave decides that he wants to leave at some point right mm -hmm. because then it can just be with someone else and like i i feel like just a jackass for like naming the thing after me does that make sense i i understand where you're coming from and i do sympathize no, knowing you personally i wouldn't feel that way but i also understand where you're coming from where other people don't know you personally right and they're like 
this guy's naming his podcast after him. What the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, well, you see, I'm doing it because my name recognition is so important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, I, I feel like a jackass for saying it, but it, it's it's legitimately true. And uh, when when I did start streaming again, like, granted, I didn't do it a ton or whatever, but it was like, if if people are like scrolling through the magic portion on Twitch, people would pop in when they saw my name. Mm -hmm. when i would stream before and then people would pop in and they'd be like uh, wait is this jerry like I, I didn't even know that i just clicked on a random channel or whatever and it's like mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm just shooting myself in the foot repeatedly with this the fair valid are we going to see the return of the jerry stream where is that behind us look i have uh my setup i am comfortable i have i, I put my lights up and everything i would love to i th there's been a like nationwide Adderall shortage. I got switched over to something else that is currently waiting for me to pick it up. I definitely need to be medicated if I want to stream, which is I, I so it, it is weird finding out that you have this like very debilitating mental illness when you're like 34 years old or whatever. Mm -hmm. In my case, ADHD and, you know, maybe some other stuff too. Who knows? And finally getting medicated for it. And then just realizing that, like, you've been doing life on hard mode, mm -hmm. like, the entire time up until then, right? And so, to, to this day, I don't think I've ever streamed when I've been medicated. And, like, streaming has always been difficult for me. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, that's that's a problem. Also, I've never played in a pro tour when I was taking Adderall. <laughs> like, I got, I got medicated after, you know, I, I basically stopped playing in pro tours or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, I, I'm kind of curious to see, like... What that's like. I've played in some smaller tournaments or whatever, and it's just like, wow, I feel like awake and like crisp, and I can pay attention to the stuff that's in front of me. And mm -hmm. it's, dude, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. You know, I, it's like I, round four, I don't need a nap anymore. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I actually have ADHD as well. And I had, I stopped taking my medicine back in high school because it's, it's hard for people to believe. And they just don't actually believe me, Jerry. But before I, when I was taking my Concerta, like, I have, pretty bad anxiety in fact social anxiety and it would heighten and i thought everyone was thinking about me and looking at me and talking about me all the time and it like made me not want to talk to people i'm just hyper focused on things instead and maybe that was like their prescription wasn't right but it was back and forth but i just sort of stopped taking it and so sometimes i play magic tournaments and it's just like what you're describing happens to me where like i lose focus for a second miss a trigger and fall really far behind have to like scrape and claw to get back and maybe lose and i'm like Dan, what if I just had my prescription so my brain works like a normal person? What what would happen then? You know? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. The, the world is your oyster at that point. Uh, Concerta is actually the the thing that I got put on now. So mm, okay. Uh, I I've not had it before. I'm curious to see. Like I, I know that Adderall works. Like that was just the the th the thing that I started with, mm -hmm. and it was just like this is way better. But like you know maybe maybe this is gonna be better too. Yeah, that. I don't know. We'll have to see. But you gotta get before the SCG, you know? You said you need to go get picked up. We need you to get out there. Yeah, which exactly. is the hard it's part. Still... If you don't have the medicine, then how are you gonna know to go get it and the motivation, you know? Sounds right. like we're joking, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> it, no, it's 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 not, man. We we talk about like stairs and the concept mm -hmm. of stairs and basically just like removing obstacles, mm -hmm. uh making things easier. And it's just like ADHD is it creates so many obstacles that are, you know, not real, but they're real to us. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, right right now there's like an issue with my car and I've been waiting to get that issue resolved before I like go and get it. But at this point, if it doesn't get resolved, I'm just going to like, you know, get a, a lift or whatever to the pharmacy to get my 
prescription because I'm gonna have it before I go to Cincy. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say Dave might go, like get you the Uber. He's like, oh, I need Jerry in top form. Here's the Uber. You know, go get it. Uh, but yeah, it's not even top form. It's just like I don't want to be sleeping round <laughs> sure. five. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I just want Jerry to be awake. If if he misplays, he misplays. But I, I need him to just be awake at the table. Uh, right. Speaking of Dave and all that, there. That's sort of the last one of my questions. Uh, if someone wants to find you and sort of the the show and everything, where can they go? Where can they reach out and find you? And any shouts, etc. You want to do? Feel free to do here. Uh, I am. I'm technically on Twitter. Uh, I have an account. <laughs> uh, but I I used to love Twitter, man. I used mm-hmm. to love it so much. It was so good, uh, especially in in terms of magic and like having conversations and stuff. And uh, I feel like it's a lot less good now for a lot of different reasons. So I'm not on it a ton, but like certainly if you if you tweet at me, I will I will get back to you within a week or so. You know, nice. um, but yeah, there's there's been a bunch of other like social media platforms popping up where I've made accounts, but I don't use them. And if somehow magically everyone migrated over to one of them, like I would do that too. But whatever. So in the meantime, it is Twitter uh, at g three r r y t, and then. I don't know. Technically on Twitch with uh, Jerry underscore T and podcast is just on all the podcast apps, man. Just you want to search for Arena Decklist, it'll show up. And there is a very healthy backlog for folks to get through if they want to do that. Yeah. Highly suggest that one of the shows I listen to all the time and one of the few shows that can rival us in length. You know, there aren't many shows like us, Jerry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's one of those things where when people find it, you know, they're like they dive into a show and they're like, ah, oh, there's like 20 episodes. That's so great. And for us, it's like, yeah, there's 20 episodes a day you could listen to for, you know, a whole month. And then you'd be caught up. So right, right. there's a lot of content there if you want to go listen. And a lot of stuff that does age pretty well. You know, some stuff's week to week like us, but also some always improving content there as well. So I highly suggest doing that as well. Once again, Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to have you and great to talk to you. And we'll be seeing you in the streets. Okay, deal. Thanks again to Jerry Thompson for coming on the show and allowing us to have an episode of CC this week. It was great to have you on. I'm sorry everyone else couldn't be there to have questions for Jerry. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to ask you patrons to ask Jerry some questions. Sort of made it all happen and sort of dropped the ball on that one. That's an always improving moment for me. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Constructive Criticism. It was a bit of a unique episode if you're listening for the first time. Normally, we really work on always improving and sort of getting better at magic and leveling up. But instead, this time, we had this weird sort of intro and outro. And that's okay. Sometimes you're going to have unique episodes. So thank you all so much. If you want to find the show, you can find us everywhere. That's going to be on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I guess is iTunes, isn't it, when you really get down to it? YouTube, etc. A great way to support the show is to leave a comment there and rate the show. It's a free way to do it, and we really appreciate those things. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Mason E. Clark. You can find me at twitch.tv slash the Mason Clark. Find me each and every week over at Card Kingdom, writing an article for them. And if you're curious about coaching, you can reach out to me via my Twitter, once again, which is Mason E. Clark, or reach out to me at gmail.com with the same name, Mason E. Clark at gmail.com. Put coaching in the description. That way I know it's you. You can find Spencer at Spencer13H and Abe at More No Things. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of Constructed Criticism.